Hello everyone and welcome to Decepticast. I'm back from BotCon and I had an awesome time. It was such an amazing weekend. I really had a blast. And now I'm here to give you, my listener, the full report of the entire BotCon. I know it's kind of old news now, but I promised it, so I'm going to give it to you. Sorry for no music this week, but my computer decided to self-destruct and I haven't completely gotten back on my feet yet. But it will return soon. But for now, sit back, relax, and let me take you through all the fun and excitement of BotCon. Coming from New York, it was a 10-hour drive. It was quite the trek made palatable by Stephen Colbert, Sam and Max, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and my new favorite, Strong Bad. We made it through, though, and checked into our hotel, the Millennium. It was alright, but I wasn't there for the room, frankly. Me and my friend Tom immediately headed down to the convention center two hours early. We were the first people online for our name bracket. Strangely, though, there was still about a 100 people on the souvenir line. No worries, though. We happily waited online talking Transformers until we picked up our awesome sets. I won't go into detail here. I'll save that for after this segment. But let me just say, this set kicks major butt. Then, off to the souvenir line to wait the typical hour and a half to pick up my two packs. Again, I'll cover those later. And I splurged for the first time then, buying a loose 2005 set. After all the money had exchanged hands, it was time to head back to the hotel room, drop off our hall, and head out for dinner. That's when me and my two friends discovered that apparently don't need to eat a night meal in Cincinnati, since everything that passed for a restaurant was closed at about 6 p.m. Oh well. We did find some little pizza place for fuel, and then it was back in time for MSTF. The guys did a great show this year, skewering the Geo one episode War Dawn, and the Transformers animated TV movie. It was hilarious as usual, and a great way to end the night, even if I did have to duck out early to get some rest. It was a 10-hour drive, after all. After a good night's sleep, it was time for Friday, which started with the IDW panel. The presentation itself didn't reveal anything new, except for some nice all-hail Megatron art, but it was still a great presentation nonetheless. Finally found out that it's Frenzy and Soundwave's visor on the cover of issue 2. Good to know. Most of the best information came from the question and answer session, which I'll round up now. All, all hail Megatron on Earth and Revelation in space will be in the same continuity and will not be separate. Someone asked about Punch Counterpunch, to which they responded that there are no plans. There are also no plans for any Power Masters or Tarkin Masters, as Furman didn't want to dilute the story and overwhelm the readers. I think that's a good idea. They could always work them in later if they wanted to. There are plans to go back to the original 13 storyline, but we will not be seeing that this year. Going back to All Hail Megatron, someone asked about the Autobots remaining on Earth at the end of Devastation, to which IDW replied that there are no Autobots left on Earth at the time of All Hail Megatron. That means at some point the Dinobots, Hot Rod, Sunstreaker, and the rest of accounted for Autobots on Earth at some point leave before it starts. Which, bring me, which brings me to Simon Furman's big revelation that after the four-issue Spotlight arc, he's working on a new series, Maximum Dinobots. This will feature our favorite dinos, Sunstreaker and Scorponok. As a huge fan of the Dinobots, I'm extremely excited for this, and it's great to see that they are going back to be, they're going to be back up on their feet soon. In terms of all the mistakes that have been creeping into issues like Spotlight Grimlock, the panelists said that the production schedule and the shift in management was responsible. It's good to know that the problems are being addressed, addressed and will be solved soon. There are no more Evolution series scheduled like Hearts of Steel, and there are no plans for any robots in disguise work. However, however, they are discussing more Beast Wars, which is always good. 
But now on to the main series. It was revealed that RC will return in Revelation and that IDW Galvatron is indeed a zombie. We've seen most of the Dead Universe cast, including Galvatron, Nemesis Prime, Geaxis, and Cyclonus, but there are two more yet to be seen. Scourge, maybe? Who knows? There will be more revealed about the past in Cybertron, but it will be not be the main focus in order to keep the story moving forward. But one of the things I'm most excited about besides Dinobots are the original animated comics, which will be written by the head writer and will be in continuity. After the comic news, it was time for the Cartoon Network panel. As a big animated fan, I was very excited. Little did I, little did I know my mind would be blown on Sunday. But anyway, for this panel, we were told to expect more Decepticons in Season 2, and even though nothing has been officially nailed down, they are still working on Season 3 and 4, just in case Cartoon Network orders them. Oil Slick is being considered for th Season 3, and it's possible RC will return in future seasons, and we were even told that it was possible to see Rodimus in Season 3 and 4. The cast is going to be expanded, including Fred Willard as Swindle. Derek Wyatt, the art director, said that Swindle was one of his favorite characters, in addition to Galvatron, Ratbat, and Waspinator. He even went as far as to say that two of those would be on the show. We know that Waspinator is going to be getting a, tr a toy, but what about the other two? My money is on Ratbat, which would be a great character to bring back. More Cybertron and more backstories are coming for animated, although no combiners yet, and Unicron is a big no. Oh, and they couldn't answer any questions about Sari's origins, of course. I was very happy to hear Jeff Bennett and Tom Kenny would be handling the Constructicons, and speaking of voice actors, when the panel finished, it was time for David Kay, Bumper Robinson, and Tara Strong to take the stage. Nothing new for Transformers was revealed, but it was awesome to just listen to these artists and get to know them. To see them do their characters is really breathtaking. It was a lot of fun to watch, and it was really inspiring for me to just see them work and have fun with the fans. I always love when voice actors take part in the convention. They're among my favorite guests. Then, after lunch at Arby's and their amazing $5 five-item menu, it was dealer room time, and truly, it was the greatest. Cincinnati, as most know, was to be the test market for the new animated toy line, and even though me and my friends couldn't find any in the stores, there were plenty in the dealer room. Yes, I finally got my paws on several animated toys, and had a very slight markup. Let me tell you folks, these things are amazing. But that's for a future robot review. I was also able to pick up the last movie figures I was looking for, Premium Jazz, Premium Barricade, and Salvage. Add to that the original Beast Wars Rat Trap, and I had an amazing haul at the dealer room after only one day. The cases were chocked full of Transformers goodness, as always. The animated cases were all filled with products we had seen before, but it was really great to take a look at them in person. Grimlock, Blitzwing, Soundwave, and Leader Megatron were a particular awesomeness. Seriously, I can't get enough of them now. Unfortunately, the activators only look okay, a little bland, and I don't like what has been done to my precious Cyber Slammers. I fell in love with these during the movie, but now with animated, they've tried to put more of the body and robot mode into the Cyber Slammer, and they look very odd. But the rest of animated looks amazing. Hasbro also had two cases of movie figures, most of which we had seen already. The universe cases were most of the brand new stuff was revealed. We had the standard Prowl, Power Glide, Sunstreaker, Galvatron, and Tankor. But we also had lots of cool new stuff like two sets of five Legends figures. One of which was all G1 Combiner leaders, which I liked a lot. Leo Breaker as Razorclaw, Scourge as Hunger, and Prime as Hotspot were great. Although Vector Prime as Scattershot and Thundercracker as Silverbolt were odd. The other sets, the other set was a 
two cool repaints of Starscream and a repaint of Jetfire, Soundwave, and Evac, but frankly, I couldn't figure out who they were supposed to be. Next to those was a set of 12 Minicons exclusive to Kmart. They all looked really cool, even though the price tag of 30 bucks is a little off-putting. Under those, we had a myriad of odd repaints for Universe. Soundwave as Blaster was very strange, but Red Evac as Blades and the light brown Cybertron Defense Scattershot, Scattershot excuse me, as Dropshot were awesome. Those definitely caught my eye. Finally, we had the Marvel Transformers crossovers, which look so much better than the Star Wars ones. Still, they don't look great, except for Venom and his great muscle car mode. I'm definitely going to pick up that guy, but the others are probably a pass. But after all the toy goodness, the day still was not over. That night, a new episode of Animated was shown, the one with Rekgar, played by one of my heroes, Weird Al Yankovic. It was hilarious. I won't go into detail, since it will air soon, but it was a great interpretation of Rekgar, with a lot of inside jokes, including the universal greeting. Ratchet was a little out of character for story purposes, but still it was a great standalone episode, and Weird Al did a great job. After that, it was commentary on the live-action Transformers movie with the Hasbro team. That was such a cool, unique experience, an example of stuff that you can only get at BotCon. Hasbro had a lot of great insights, uh, less so during the human parts by their own admission. Still, I had a blast watching the movie and found this commentary was even better than the one Michael Bay recorded. For example, in the original treatment, no Autobot was supposed to die. However, the movie people felt it would be better for the story to give the final battle more risk, and Hasbro agreed. The thing I found interesting was that Jazz tested very well with children because of his concern for Bumblebee. So did Ironhide. So if those two tested well, and obviously you can't kill Bumblebee in Prime, why not kill Ratchet, who has died before? I asked Aaron Archer, and he responded that he really didn't remember, but it was probably something simple like color. There were a lot of darker colored Autobots, so since Ratchet was green, he was able to live. Knowing show business myself, it was probably something that random and simple. Finally, after all that, it was time for bed and then on to Saturday. Saturday started off for me, heading straight to the autograph line. David Kay was there first, and he was a true gentleman, walking up and down the line, just chatting with the fans. He was super nice, and even talked to me about his role in Ronmo and Half. Then, I think I talked to Tara Strong about Batgirl and Shaolin Showdown. I don't really remember because I was so incredibly flabbergasted. She has been in so many things that I love that she was a pretty big celebrity for me. I also got to talk with Bumper Robinson, which, who is really chill and cool. They were all great, and I got them to sign the DVD that came with my animated Prime and Megatron. After that, it was off to the dealer room for round two. Having purchased the 2005 set, the only set I was missing was 2006 which happened to be one of my favorites, so that was the focus of the day. I was able to get Dinobot and Rhinox and Tigertron for relatively cheap, only 70 bucks. That Tigertron figure is pure love. After that, it was back to the autograph line to meet the creative minds behind Animated. I talked to producer Matt Youngberg, who was really cool and was a fan just like the rest of us. My friend Tom wanted me to ask about Sean Berger, the fat guy from the original Megatron's Master Plan, and of course Mr. Youngberg had no idea what I was talking about. I don't blame him. Thanks, Tom. Then came Derek Wyatt, head art director. I was again flabbergasted, so I had to focus my mind on one question. And even though I already knew the answer, my stupid brain focused on more Dinobots. He, of course, said there were no plans for more Dinobots right now, but then I was able to recognize my thoughts and ask why Snarl and Swoop joined Grimlock. Mr. Wyatt said that was Hasbro's decision, picking Swoop probably because he could fly, 
I would have loved to have stayed and talked, but of course I needed to keep the line moving. Next was head writer Marty Eisenberg. He was so great, I had a topic of conversation all ready to go. The episodes of Sam and Max he co-wrote. I think bringing up such an obscure project made him happy, and we talked for a while about this hilarious show. After I got everyone to sign my DVD, it was off to the Collectors Club panel, of which I am a member. Nothing big going on here, but I was glad to hear Nick Roach is doing the art for the third Transtech prose story. I love his work. The Nightbeat comic is currently in limbo, but we will most likely see it as a pack-in with the Nightbeat exclusive toy. The biggest news address was the April Fool's comic and how it's going to affect the future of Shattered Glass. There's a lot more prose coming from this universe, which I'm very happy about since I love it so much. However, due to the overwhelmingly positive response from the April Fool's pages, don't ask me, they're going to start working in some of that to the main story. I don't really like this. I don't think it's a good idea, in my opinion. They wrote those pages to be bad, and although they're not horrible, I much prefer the story we got over the way too over-the-top characterizations and messy G2 art. I guess the best example is Shattered Glass Grimlock. In the comic, he's exactly what I wanted him to be, a mindless, hell-bent weapon of mass destruction. I I was pleased to see it. But now they're actually going to make him a genius and British like in the fake pages. Sure, it was funny, but I would have preferred him the old way. Oh well, I'm sure that's just me, and the continued Shattered Glass storyline will still prove to be great. Then the real meat and potatoes of BotCon, the Hasbro panel, and it was all good news. The movie made Transformers the number one toy line once more. First up was animated. Season 1 is due out in August, and I'm excited about that. There weren't a lot of animated toys to be shown because, well, a lot of them had already been revealed, and also because they shared a lot of cool prototypes on Sunday. Sentinel Prime was shown, who looks cool, though he did look a little short. Swoop was next, and that figure is amazing. The engineering required for making it show accurate for both Beast and Robot Mode is a huge challenge, yet they met they met it perfectly. He looks like he stepped right off the TV screen. Seriously, I, he looked even better in person, as both Swoop and Sentinel were put in the cases after the panel. Swoop looked great, that's all I can say. We then got a repaint of Elite Guard Bumblebee, mostly black and gold. It looked okay, and we were told to expect more repaints of existing characters, as opposed to using the repaints as new characters, which makes sense given the core cast nature of animated. Next was the breathtaking Ultra Magnus figure. Again, it was completely show accurate and looked incredibly impressive. His massive hammer doesn't light up, but he will have lights and electronics. It looks really cool and stands atop with leader Megatron. I only wish he was in the case. I would have loved to have seen him in person. Next came Universe, with some cool stuff happening here. Deluxe Ironhide is coming, and this time he turns into a car like Movie Stockade, not an 80s van. They actually used the back of the car to create the G1 chest look, that window kind of thing. He's actually a very nice figure and a very nice update. update. Oh, and then we got Sideswipe, the Sunstreaker repaint with a new head, which looked how you might expect. Silverstreak was actually in the case, but not in the panel, which is a shame, because I thought that figure looked great. Another perfect up, perfect update, and I might forego Prowl to get him instead. Two new Ultras were next, Silverbolt and Stormcloud. I was never a huge fan of Silverbolt, and this whole G1 Redux thing isn't really my bread and butter, so this new Silverbolt for me was only okay. He looked just like his G1 self, but what's really cool is he has electronic sounds that actually change when he transforms, depending on which direction he's transforming. That's pretty cool. 
Stormcloud was a former Micromaster and now a repaint of Ultra Power Glide. The black and gray look a lot cooler than Power Glide, but I'm still unimpressed by the mold and his chest turbines. More Legends are coming and new molds to boot. G2 Megatron and G1 Jazz were shown, and both look great for the size class. Then I really perked up, because my favorite thing in the whole wired world was next, Robot Heroes. The Transmetal Megatron Silverbolt figures looked so cool. Perfect chibi versions. The Blaster and Thrust and the Ironhide and Kickback look cool, although I prefer the Blaster and Thrust set. It seemed odd to release more G1 Ironhide and another Insecticon after Shrapnel already got the Robot Heroes treatment. Then the store's exclusives were covered. San Diego Comic-Con Nemesis Prime looks very sweet. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him. But the biggest surprise is that they're also offering Titanium Skywarp to finish the Seeker set. That's a great figure that moved his way from cancellation, so I'm very glad Hasbro decided to do that. Oh, speaking of Titaniums moving their way from cancellation, War Within Grimlock and Prowl are making their way to Toys R Us. Everyone was thrilled with the news, and it's great that we're finally going to get a chance to own these figures. New molds brought back to life? Sign me up. Kmart is going to get the large Minicon 12-pack, and Walmart is getting three new deluxes, Crankcase, Fracture, and Breakaway. Crankcase is based on the old TriggerCon, and it is a hazmat repaint of Cybertron Red Alert. Uh, buh, buh, buh. Oh, that one. He was my favorite. Yeah, and Fracture was next. She's a Classics re Mirage repaint, and yes, I said she. It's a female GoBot tribute. Well, whatever makes people happy. I'll pass on that one. Breakaway is a Cybertron hotshot modeled on the Power Master Getaway. The last exclusives were two Target 2-packs of Voyager and a Deluxe that come with a comic. Despite all the brand new molds talked about today, I was finding myself getting very excited about these. Cybertron, Evac, and Sideways are being done as Springer and Ratbat. I was excited to see Ratbat get some love. The figure looks very cool, and he was always one of my favorite characters from G1. Probably because he was so obscure. And the Springer repaint, although I personally prefer Blades, looks very good too. The other set was Cybertron, Starscream, and Cybertron Defense Hotshot as Dirge and Roadbuster. Dirge looked very cool with the colors, and props to Hasbro for using almost the... It's like the identical paints on this new Roadbuster that were on the original. It looks very cool. Hasbro then talked about what's going on in 2009. Sorry, no news on Transformers 2. Animated will continue in 2009... But since it's also the 25th anniversary, Hasbro will be using the Universe line to go to all eras of Transformers and celebrate them. Another reissue of G1 Prime is coming, but this time it will come with a comic reprint, a digitally remastered copy of More Than Meets the Eye, and a voice box with actual Peter Cullen quotes. It's good to see Hasbro adding more stuff since the reissue was done already. Shown next was an all-new mold, Hound with Ravage. This toy looked great. Both were awesome updates of the original characters. Ravage even turns into a cassette, yet still has articulation. He will snap onto the back of Hound, for kids who don't know about, cons about cassettes, yet he will fit inside Soundwave, which was really cool. But next came a big bombshell. Target Master Cyclonus. He looks better than now than he ever has, mostly black instead of purple. It looks awesome, and he was my favorite figure out of this whole G1 Redux craze that was going on. His gun, he can either hold it or it can fit into a hand port. I'll definitely be picking him up. Next was a brand new Cheetor figure. As a huge Beast Wars fan, I liked the figure, but it was accurate in some ways and in others it was not. Beast Mode looked great. His eyes will even change from green to red, just like the Chase figures. The first Cheetor figure was red-eyed, the second was green-eyed. 
Robot mode looked a little weird, though, sort of semi-show accurate. Still, I can't, I'll wait to see that before passing final judgment. We got two more new legends, Brawn and Beachcomber. I never liked either of those characters, but they are a nice interpretation. Then came more of those fabulous robot heroes. We saw prototypes for Robots in Disguise, Optimus Prime, and Megatron, and also Beast Machines, Cheetor, and Tankor. It's so great that they're going to other errors for those robot heroes, and I'm eager to buy them. And we also got confirmation that variations of robot heroes are coming. Yes, yes, Y-E-S. Let's hope for bigger ones and bigger sets. Oh, but enough about robot heroes. Sorry, I get a little crazy with them. Next, it was Sunday. It was a short day, but still exciting. The Cartoon Network panel took us through some great new characters and their prototypes. Blur was there, looking very trans techy and cool. We had Swindle looking like a great G1 update, yet still fitting in with animated. Rekgar, of course, with an amazing-looking Voyager toy that I can't wait to own. There will be two jets that combine into one, Jetfire and Jetstorm. One will be ice, one will be fire, but they wouldn't say what is up with their allegiances. Interesting. Scrapper and Mixmaster are the two Constructicons, and it looks like they combined a few vehicles to get the most for their money. Mixmaster looked like a bulldozer cement truck, but the biggest bomb was Shockwave, complete with single glowing optic. He's gray now and transforms into a tank a la Armada Megatron, which is cool, not to mention it'll be voiced by Corey Burton, who did Shockwave on the original G1 series. I left that panel extremely psyched for what's to come. Animated will clearly stand on its own in Transformers history as an amazing show and tribute to the fans. Before it was home to New York, one last run around the dealer room, where me and Tom actually found animated Black Arachnia and Ratchet. Perfect timing, I thought. They were quickly bought, and then we were broke, so it was home to New York. I bid BotCon goodbye thanking it for an amazing time, and we made our way home. Whew, a lot of news going on there, a lot of great stuff happening for the rest of this year, and the rest of, and of course, all of 2009. But, what about the exclusives? BotCon is known for its awesome exclusives, and this set was truly great. I love it. There are only a few down points, basically Ricochet and Rampage, but enough of that. Let's do the whole thing with this week's robot review. Let's take each figure step by step and we'll start with the box set we'll start with optimus prime vehicle mode is cool it's a great update of his original truck mode you can already see the amazing detail on this figure in this mode till all argon is emblazoned along his cab and it's a clear sign that this is not our normal optimus i personally like the skewed autobot symbol clearly showing us that something is off this guy has seen a lot of action as evidenced by the silver weathering all over his cab he even has yellow gunk all over his windshields, except on the parts cleaned by the windshield wipers. Now that is detailing. Transformation is simple, with some twisting of the arms to get them right. Robot mode is awesome. I really love the deep purple coloring. It fits the character great and looks very dangerous. Purple is tricky. When it's not done right, it can look goofy, like Alpha Trion. This is a much deadlier Galvatron purple. Add to that his black legs and head, and it's a great color scheme. And that's not even mentioning all the battle damage and detailing. This mold is also incredibly poseable too. The most poseable of the entire set. The top of his vehicle mode converts into a cannon and he also has a smaller gun. All in all it makes for one awesome deceptive uh, Autobot leader. This is one of the best exclusives Fun Publications has ever put out. And he sits at the top of an already awesome set. Next is Starscream. A repaint of Cybertron Voyager's Starscream. This guy is, of course, colored like Jetfire, since they were best friends in G1. And now the allegiances have flipped. 
I never got this mold first time around, so I was happy to get my hands on it finally. Vehicle mode is Cybertronian jet, and it looks very accurate to the War Within Seeker design. The, the detailing in both modes is much better than the previous pictures implied, with lots of red and silver to break up the white. It's a very impressive transferring of a paint scheme. Unfortunately, Screamer loses points for his transformation. Going both ways, it's very hard to fit the legs in or pull them out because of his large shoulders. I'm constantly afraid I'm going to rip his arms off, which is not good for an expensive exclusive. I am very glad they used this mold, though. Robot mode looks very imposing. His legs are poseable, although they're just hinge joints, so it's a stiff posability. His arms aren't capable of a lot of movement. They are actually kind of stubby. Using his cyber key causes two swords to pop out from his arms, which is cool, but the limited movement of his arms, it's hard to see them very functional. He also comes with a missile launcher. In fact, all the figures do except for Prime and the four Minicons. Still, despite all the posability problems and the difficulty transforming, Starscream is a cool figure with a nice flipped color scheme, and I really enjoy him, even if he's not the best of the set. Next up is Grimlock. I love this figure. The gray isn't as dark as the picture. He was black in the comic, which would have been really cool. And the tube on this beast mode neck was not as red. It was really more orange. But I can't help but love this guy. Beast mode is as poseable as a T-Rex can be, and it's chock full of details. The tube runs up his neck, and it's the same color as the top of his head, which is like, it's a great detail because it's like feeding fluids into his brain. Transformation is a little confusing with the arms, but it's nothing a little practice can't fix. Robot mode is great, posable and detailed, the only real negative being his short forearms. Some might consider the T-Rex halves on his legs as negatives, but I enjoy it. I think it gives the robot mode character. The paint scheme is amazing. We get some great shiny green to contrast the gray. The chest is purple, and the orb is colored orange on his chest. And he's, he even has purple slits on the side of his head and silver on his biceps. I could go on and on, but it's clear that a lot of attention was paid to Grimlock. He comes with a cannon that has a blade attached, because of course Grimmy needs a sword of some sort. In the end, I love Grimm's Dino Mode. It looks awesome, and this new paint scheme works great for Evil Grimlock. It's got tons of little details, and he's one of my favorites from this set after Prime. Jazz is a repaint of Cybertron Crosswise. This vehicle mode is painted almost exactly like G1 Jazz. However, he is covered with slogans like Massacre Racing and Kill to Win, showing us that this is not our normal Autobot. He's also got mean eyebrows in the front of his vehicle mode. I'm okay with this approach. I'm thinking doing a reverse Jazz would be hard to do otherwise. No, I really like Jazz's car mode. I think it's very slick. My real issue with Jazz, the reason he's a little low on the shattered glass ladder, is his transformation. The back halves of the car are irritating enough, you know, getting them to robot mode, but reverting to car is especially annoying to get the arms and the car parts to fit in. Once you work that out, though, you get a nice robot mode. We get a little more color, mostly blue on his hips. His new head sculpt is the coolest thing about Jazz. It looks very good. The silver just pops from his face, and his visor stands out from the rest of the blue on him. He's very poseable. Jazz has quite a few ball joints, but unfortunately he does have quite a bit of kibble on him too, like the shield on his arm and the annoying car pieces on his back. His spoiler fires a missile, and his cyber key flips out missile launchers in both modes. I really like Jazz, and he's a great figure, but the weaker mold makes him not the strongest of the set. Still, he's a cool exclusive, and I'm glad to have him. Goldbug is a repaint of Cybertron Hotshot. 
They took a so-so mold and a little-used character from G1 and made it something great. The black repaints are awesome rule is in effect here, creating a great-looking vehicle mode. He's mostly a shiny black, detailed with streaks of yellow. The two colors work very well, and I really enjoy it. Transformation is a simple three-step maneuver, and robot mode reveals a whole new set of details. Goldbug's got a brand new head sculpt, taken right from his G1 character, but with huge glowing red eyes. The blue makes the head stand out a little, oddly, but on closer inspection it actually matches details on his chest and his little wings. The black and yellow theme continues in robot mode, and he has a little silver too. It looks amazing, and he even has this great image of bug mandibles on his chest. Posability is so-so, especially stiff in the shoulders, but it's not bad enough to detract from this impressive figure. Goldbug's another great figure from a really amazing set. And rounding, rounding out the set is a little Minicon Wolf Razorclaw. Beast Mode is very cool for its small size, surprisingly detailed. He's yellow and orange, which looks good, although there was very little yellow in the original Predacons, basically the original Razorclaw's face. I really like his robot mode, what with the wolf head becoming his hands. He's surprisingly posable for a Minicon with two joints in each of his legs and a ball joint for each of his shoulders. His robot mode adds black and silver to the yellow and orange, making it very visually interesting. He does have a little trouble balancing, though. Still, he's a nice figure and just the icing on the cake. If it wasn't clear from my large amounts of gushing, I adore this set. It's really one of my favorite sets of all the years. Not every figure is perfect, though. Before I go on about how great the souvenir sets are, and trust me, they're really awesome, let me cover the weakest figure in this set of 14, the freebie, Ricochet. He's the same mold as Jazz, but with a much blander paint scheme. Where details is the bread and butter of this set, Ricochet is very boring. Vehicle mode is straight maroon with a large white stripe down the car. There's really not much to say. Paint scheme carries over to robot mode, although we get a little more detail on the hips. All in all, he's an okay figure. He's fine for the Primus freebie figure. He was free, so I can't complain too much. He just doesn't have what it takes to stack up to the other figures in the Shattered Glass. Sorry, Ricochet. Good effort, though. But Megatron. Let's start with the souvenirs with Megatron. Man, is this guy cool. He's about the size of a Voyager, and his vehicle mode is an intimidating airship. Energon Megs was always one of my favorites, and I'm glad to see it used here. He has expandable wings, and the little tank that he has fits on top. Main colors are silver and ebony, but with lots of heroic blue highlights. We get darker translucent blue, as well as a lighter blue. Megatron has a touch of red on him, including the Decepticon symbols, which contrasts great with the black, which, you know, that color scheme was used to also great effect for the OTFCC Megazaric. All the colors blend in great for this impressive color scheme, creating a very imposing vehicle. His tank is a little bland, but it's a small equip for a cool toy. Transformation is simple with a cool with a couple of cool features. I particularly like how his legs transform from the turbines. Robot mode is great. The super detailed paint scheme carries over, but reveal even it even reveals a little bit of orange, like the orange bolt details on his chest. He's fairly poseable, although it is a lot of click and hinge joints, so it is stiff posability. One of the greatest things about this exclusive though is the head sculpt. It's perfect. Very Megatron-esque, yet still appearing soft and gentle, complete with heroic blue eyes. His tank can fit on his arm to fire a missile, or you can turn it around and use it for the blue sword contained in his nose cone. The tank on his arm lessens posability, but you can move the wings to help. Megatron is a great figure, and you get a lot of bang for your buck. Fun vehicle mode, impressive robot mode, and lots of cool figures with his little tank make him a great exclusive and a very well done flip of Allegiance's 2.
Rodimus, once again, black repaints are perfect. He uses the purple and black and silver paint scheme that made even Titanium Rodimus look good. Rodimus was never a favorite of mine from classics or the movie, but he works great at evil. His vehicle mode is a sleek black car augmented with purple flames and silver details. Something I love is his red windows. It looks very nice. He fits right in with Goldbug and Prime. Transformation is fine, although the spoiler is a little weird to get right. Robot mode continues the great paint scheme and shows off the coolest details in almost all the figures. Rodimus sports the typical evil twin mustache and goatee. Yes, it's a hilarious little addition and shows us some of the, you know, the little tongue-in-cheek aspects of shattered glass. It's a little silly, but it really actually works for the figure. His legs have limited posability due to kibble, but his arms are fine. Rodimus is a perfect evil Autobot with great colors that give him a lot of character. I never loved this mold, but with the great paint scheme, he's never looked better. He's ready to take on any Decepticons that come his way, and, and you can't argue with the goatee. Dive Bomb. This little guy is painted almost the same orange as the original Dive Bomb, and he has great black detailing along his wings. I love this Minicon because you get a lot of mass for your money. It's well sculpted, too. Transformation is actually pretty complex for a Minicon, but his robot mode is really well designed. He does lose almost all his black in robot mode, making him comp almost completely orange, which is a little bit of a negative. But he's my favorite of all the beasts. It's a great mold, and his paint scheme is the best homage out of the three. He's, got a, gr he's a great little figure to just add more to an already great set. Yes, the three of these guys make definitely the best souvenir set. Which is not to say the other one is bad. The other one's quite cool, too. First off, let's start with Blur. Blur, once again, I never really liked him in G1, but have been won over by his evil interpretation. I like him better evil than I did good. His vehicle mode, a Cybertronian car, is mostly black, but he's a lot more going on than that. Every single molded detail on the back of the car is silver, and he's got a shiny silver stripe down the middle. He's got a little bit of red, and his windows are orange. But the best detail is, since this is the original Transformer Speedster, is the crackling blue lightning running along his vehicle mode. It really gives the illusion of speed and makes him look very deadly. It touches like that that make these exclusives really stand out. I just can't believe that they took the time to paint each of those tubes on the rear spoilers. Transformation is alright, but he does need his cyber key, which is annoying. Also, two things. One, you must be careful when transforming him because his new head hits his arms. Second, mine and my friend Tom's blur had their hips on backwards. It's an easy fix. Simply snap it off and reapply and you're ready to go. Robot mode looks great. We get more silver details and his lightning is now on his back. Unfortunately, he's not posable at all, except for hinges on his elbows, and a lot of his vehicle mode hang off his back. Still, the mold is detailed, and we get a great new head sculpt. His helmet is now black, with blood-red eyes. Well, eye. One eye is blown off or damaged, covered by, a, like, a plate patch. Still, you can see the red seeping out from under it. Add to that the angry scowl on his face, and this head sculpt gives a lot of character to the toy. Blur is a dangerous-looking Autobot and fits perfectly with the rest of the set. Sideswipe is a repaint of Armada Wheeljack meant for Universe, colored exactly like the G2 figure Drench. Oddly enough, it works great for this continuity, despite not being meant for it. His car mode is gray and green. What I really like about this paint scheme is that it kind of creates the effect as if he was going through a tunnel, you know, when the light like makes a pattern on the car. Another great little detail is the red headlights, showing his evil past. Transformation requires his Minicon, but other than that, it's fine. Very simple. 
Robot mode looks good, adding some off-white to the mix, but I can't help but wish he was molded with the ash gray he has in the comic. Still, there are details that I love, such as his silver face with black additions. And I need to mention the crossed-out Autobot symbol with the Decepticon one below it. It's molded great, and it's such a good character detail. It makes up for him being not poseable at all. Yes, he doesn't have a lot of joints, but he can use his missiles as clubs. It's a unique weapon choice and adds to a very unique figure, and it's cool to see him saved from cancellation. Uh, Whisper, that's the little jet that comes with Sideswipe, who's named as such in the comics. Uh, not much to say about him, he's colored to match Sideswipe, but the colors don't blend as well on this on the Minicon, and he doesn't have a lot of details painted. Still, it's an okay design, and Whisper is really more of a compliment to Sideswipe, so he's good when paired with him, but a little weak on his own. And then, there is Rampage. I really love this guy's colors, a great Predacon red with lots of little gold details. In fact, there are a lot of painted details considering how small the mold is. Tiger mode is pretty cool. It looks very strong. However, Rampage's robot mode is pretty bad. I can take the tiger head arm, but the cat butt arm and the awkward legs really detract from the figure. So despite good colors, Rampage's bad mold puts him with Ricochet as the two worst figures of the set. Still, I'm glad they included him to complete the beasts. Even though I ended up on a little bit of a sour note there, this set is truly amazing, and in my opinion, one of the best fun publications has ever done. Whew, that was a lot of information about Botcon. Everyone get all that? The set totally rocked, and the Botcon itself was even better. I had one of the best times of my life, and it was such a blast. And I'm glad I could bring it all to you. Thank you so much for everyone to tuning in. I know the show ran a little long today, but I wanted to give everyone a little more since, like I said, there's no music and the show is a little rough today because I've had a very busy week. I've barely got the show out at all. So, But I wanted to give everyone a little more bang for their buck. So again, sorry for no music. Soon the computer will be back on its feet and I'll have everything back to normal. And thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope I brought some of that BotCon magic to everyone out there, and you all enjoy the show. Once again, please feel free to email the show with anything you would like to see, or reviews, or segments, or anything. Please, I would love to make this an interactive show. I would love to create like a listener feedback portion of the show. So email Decepticast at Decepticast, D-E-C-E-P-T-I-C-A-S-D. ST, sorry, at gmail.com. And for more Transformers information, uh, stop by the blog at decepticast.blogspot.com or www.cybertron.com. That's Cybertron with an S-E-I, one of the greatest sites of the web. Or more BotCon information, go to www.botcon.com. Also, please help spread the word about Decepticast and give us a good rating on iTunes. Spread the word on the message boards and really appreciate it. But for now, this is Scott. Signing off. See you guys next week.